0: Good morning, everyone. Woo! Here we go. You're all like this dude again. Hey, Pastor Rich is on vacation, so we called the bullpen. So I'm I'm up here today and and next next week as well. I probably shouldn't have said that. Maybe not as many people come. No, it's okay. Hey, we are so glad that you decided to spend your Sunday here at Vertical Church. Um, Some of you may or may not know who I am. My name is Andreas. I'm blessed with being one of the pastors on staff here at Vertical Church. And it's truly an honor and a privilege to be able to gather today as God's people in God's house. And what we're going to be able to do for the next few minutes is to open up God's Word. And sometimes, including myself, I feel like there's times where we need to sit back, take a breath, and remember when we open up God's Word, it is His Word to us. And what a privilege and honor that is. Well, a couple things I want to just highlight real quick. First, I want to thank everyone in here who donated towards high school students attending Camp Generate. Um, We have every spot filled now. We praise God for that. So we can clap. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So praise God for that. God provided. God used several individuals in this room to provide for students to be able to go to Camp Generate, which happens at the end of this month on the campus of Cedarville University, which is a Christian college in Ohio. So it's going to be an awesome time. I'm excited to see how God grows the students who are able to go on this trip. Secondly, let's go. Kids camp is this week. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> if you haven't had the opportunity, I walked out there with like 10 minutes to spare. I saw a camel. There's a camel on the premise, everyone. People were like trying to get me to ride it on stage today. I said, no, thank you. That's not happening. I don't think Rich would like that. It would be why, you know, but anyway, anyway, it would be hilarious, but kids camp this week it's going to be awesome I want to ask you if you could do one thing just pray for our kids pray for kids who are attending kids camp this week and pray for the the parents and families that God would use this week in amazing ways to help these kids grow up in Jesus and even impact families all across this county all right So we've been in this series called Struggle. Uh, Two weeks from now, we're going to jump into a series called Crazy Faith. You saw a bumper video for that, so we're pretty excited about that. We want to see God do amazing things this summer because guess what? During the summer, it's really easy for us not to attend church as often as we usually do, right? Because we have so many things going on in our lives. So I want to encourage you, come back for the Crazy Faith series. It's going to be awesome. Pastor Rich is going to do a phenomenal job of opening up God's Word. But we've been in this series called Struggles. And in week one, Pastor Rich talked about contentment, finding contentment in a social media-driven world. And then in week two, he talked about the authentic you. How can we be authentic in a social media-driven world? Because we all see people posting stuff, we're like, is that really true? You know, they add different layers to photos, different color fades. How can we be authentic? Pastor Rich talked about that. So I want to encourage you, go back onto uh, Spotify. Both those messages are on there. I want to encourage you to listen to those. But we are in this series on social media. And when I heard that we were diving in, <coughs> into the series on social media, I honestly wasn't a big fan, right? Because when I hear social media, I think, you know, it, I think about that's, that's in the past, right? But then I started to think to myself, social media is very alive and active today. It is very present I found out that all of us in this room, majority of us on average, spend two and a half hours on social media a day. That's a lot. That's just social media. That's not even the news. That's not even like looking up, being on different apps. Two and a half hours a day. And so we really have to address these questions. It's something we're probably going to have to go back to uh, occasionally because social media has such a grip, such a hold on our world and our culture today. It's insane. It's insane. So the biggest question that we've been addressing is how can we live Christ-centered lives in a social media-driven world? Well, we're gonna start up week three today, but before that, I wanna come to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open up your word. God, I pray that as we open up your word, Lord, that you would convict our hearts, that you would draw us closer to you. And Father, I pray that in the midst of the craziness that's going on in our world today, in our culture, Lord. We know that social media has a big grasp. I pray, Father, that we would not fall into to, to social media's hands, Father, but that we would run to you to figure out, to navigate how we should use social media to bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Or week three, this morning we're going to be talking about compassion, how can we have compassion in a social media-driven world? But first, we need to define what is compassion. Where do you run to to get a definition? Webster Dictionary, right? That's where I ran. So Webster Dictionary says this about compassion. Compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy or sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering kind of boiled it down to this. Compassion is to recognize the suffering in others and then to take action to help. I think for most of us in this room, we realize that we live in a world that is lacking compassion. If we go on our, our feeds, we scroll through them, we're going to start to notice some people not showing compassion. It may even include our own selves, right? People post something, there's just, it's like a fight. Like, Online fight occurs, right? There's no compassion. There's no love. And so today, that's what we kind of want to address is how can we have compassion in a social media-driven world? Well, I think there's three ways that social media has really affected us negatively when it comes to compassion. And Social media in and of itself isn't bad. I have several friends that I know that actually came to faith through social media, through talking to someone on social media, a pastor or following a pastor on social media, um, I've seen several people be able to raise lots of funds to be able to support the gospel, to be able to spread the gospel. So social media, in in and of itself, isn't bad. But the thing is, we live in a fallen world, and when something falls into a fallen world, guess what happens? It becomes distorted. And that's what's happened to social media. And so we need to ask ourselves, how can we show compassion in a social media-driven world? Well, the three ways that social media has kind of caused us to care less about people, if we're being honest, first is this, we're more obsessed with ourselves. We're more obsessed with ourselves probably than ever before. At any moment right now, we can take a photo of ourselves and post it on social media, and hundreds and thousands of people can see it. We can say whatever we want to say about ourselves, in, in, in good or bad, we can make ourselves look whatever way we want, whether we're truly that person or not. Social media has made us focus more on ourselves, in my opinion, than less on others. We're, not, we're, we're more self-centered instead of Christ-centered. Secondly, we are overly exposed to suffering through social media. We've become desensitized to suffering why? If I'm scrolling through social media, right, first thing that comes up, what I got at Costco, or I scroll through, oh, this is meal prepping. I scroll through, the Pittsburgh Pirates beat the Cardinals. I scroll through, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. I'm sorry. Um, you keep scrolling, and, you know, you know, you're watching some videos of P- Epic Falls, right? Babies doing crazy stuff, and then you just keep scrolling, and then you, you, you're starting to read about people losing their lives, people who are murdered, people who are raped, crazy stuff, right? And it almost becomes like this natural thing to us where we just keep scrolling. Oh, oh, someone died. Oh, keep scrolling. Someone died. Oh, that, oh, something happened. Keep scrolling. We've almost become desensitized to it, right? It's almost become like a natural thing to us. That's not, that's not good. And this, this in and of itself makes us care less about people. And the third way that social media has helped us care less about people is we lack personal interaction with others. That's just straight truth. I mean, think about it. Instead, when someone posts something on social media and they say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z, it's so easy for us just to put a prayer hand emoji or to comment and say, hey, hey we're here if you, need you, if you need us. Instead, what we should be doing, which is great, like we should be praying for those individuals. Instead, maybe we should call them. Maybe go to their house Maybe have a personal interaction with them. Maybe we see them at church. Hey, I saw you posted this. How can I, how can I help you through this? Social media has caused such a divide within our interactions, with, personal interactions with others, and we see it affecting generations. So these are three ways social media has affected the way that we care about people. And So the question becomes, how can we show compassion in a social media-driven world? Well, let's open up our Bibles, because God's going to give us a way. He's going to show us how we can show compassion in Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. As we open up this passage in Matthew chapter 14, the book of Matthew was written by Matthew. This man was a Jewish man, and he was also a tax collector. And back in the day, Jewish people looked at tax collectors, and they thought to themselves, they're traitors, because tax collectors worked for the Roman Empire. And so Matthew would have been looked at as a traitor, a Jewish man who was a tax collector. So really, when you boil it down, not a lot of people liked him. And Matthew was a man who was focused on money. But in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, guess what happens? Matthew finds Jesus. It says this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. He says this, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and he followed him. That's simple. Jesus looked at Matthew. He said, follow me. Matthew got up and he followed Jesus. Listen, some of us in this room today, we are, the Lord's saying, follow me. And we need to get up out of our seat and follow him. The book of Matthew has several connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Over 50 connections between the Old Testament and and the New Testament. It comes to connecting it to Jesus. Over 50. Plain and simple, Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience. He wants this Jewish audience to understand that Jesus is the Messiah, the long-awaited king. And so he writes this book, and he's trying to show these Jewish individuals that Jesus, he's the king. If you open up your Bibles in Matthew chapter 1, what do you get? Does anybody know what you get in Matthew chapter 1? A list of names. Right off the bat. What book starts off with a list of names? Matthew does. Why? Because he wants to show these Jewish individuals right off the bat, Jesus has genealogy that leads them the whole way back to Abraham, to Moses. He wants to show them that Jesus is the king. He's the one they've been waiting for. And when it comes to our passage, Matthew chapter 14, prior to Matthew chapter 14, some crazy stuff happens. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, is brutally beheaded by King Herod. And then we get into our passage, and what happens is our passage is dealing with the feeding of the 5,000. How many of us have heard of the story of the feeding of the 5,000? Probably most, if not all of us in this room, have heard this story. This story is well known, and for good reason. It's actually one of the only miracles that is mentioned prior to Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection that's mentioned in all four Gospels. What that tells me is it's important. That there's something that we need to catch as God's people as we read this story. Four different disciples write about this. Four different individuals, four men of God write about this miracle. So let's open up our Bibles. Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. It says this in verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Verse 15, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. This is what Jesus says. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. Give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Verse 18, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve baskets of broken pieces that were left over. Verse 21, the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. There's a lot going on within these eight verses and Jesus is going to give us three ways, three lessons on compassion. The first lesson is this, compassion often requires sacrifice. Compassion often requires sacrifice. If you look at verse 13 to 14, let's read it again. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Stop there. Jesus, his cousin had just died. He's looking for a place to grieve. He's exhausted. He's tired. His disciples are tired. They pull up to this place in a boat. They land. Guess what the first thing they see? A sea of people. The passage says that there were 5,000 people without children and women. And guess what that means? It simply means this, there was probably 20 to 25,000 individuals there waiting for King Jesus. If that was me or you, I just lost my cousin, I'm exhausted, I'm probably getting in that boat, I'm turning around. I'm going the opposite direction. I don't want to deal with 25,000 people. I don't want to deal with their problems, right? That's the way that we think, but thank goodness that God, that Jesus doesn't think that way. That he shows these individuals true compassion. So they pull up to this place, and the, verse, the passage goes on, says, Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot to the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Sometimes opportunities for us to show compassion come at times that, that, that we don't really like right? I'm sure that the disciples are like, why, why is this happening to us right now? We just want to go away and get some rest. Well, if you read the New Testament, you're going to see on several occasions where Jesus, he's interrupted sometimes, right? Think about the friends trying to get their friend to Jesus, and they, they go through the roof. Jesus was interrupted, right? Or the times it's other people throughout scripture, they want to be healed, and they interrupt Jesus talking, What does Jesus do on every one of those occasions? He stops what he's doing and he shows compassion. How about us? How about his people? The opportunities that we have that maybe interrupt our lives, maybe we feel like we have to sacrifice something just to show compassion to others. Are we willing to sacrifice? Jesus was. He was willing to sacrifice rest, he was willing to sacrifice the grieving process in order to heal broken individuals. And the thing about all these people is this. There there were some people there who were just thrill seekers, okay? You had 25,000 people. Think about this for a moment. You had a group of people that they, they just come right off the bat. Most of these people probably just wanted to see Jesus because they heard that he was awesome and healing people. And then later on, I mean, you would think in your mind that what about those who are ill and who can't walk and who are sick? It probably took them a lot longer to get there those ones who truly wanted to know who Jesus was and to see him. Jesus shows, shows compassion to both of the groups of these people. I remember when I was 12 years old, I lost my grandmother and uh, my, my, my older brother, Corey, was driving us back from the funeral. And I looked at Corey, I said, Corey, I really want Burger King. Corey's like, what are you talking about, dude? I said, I want Burger King, man, can we stop at Burger King? He's like, no, Dre, no, there's food waiting for us at the house. And I kept you know, nagging him, Corey, can we stop? It's right there. I don't know why. I, I, to this day, I don't know why. I'm not a big Burger King fan. I'm sorry if there's Burger King fans. It's not that great, to be honest with you. But I'm like, Corey, I want Burger King. Corey looks at me. He said, no, Dre. Grandma's passed away. There's food for us waiting at the house. And I kept going. And you know what my older brother did? About a mile down the road, he pulled over and he let me out. Let's just say in that moment, I wasn't showing compassion to my brother. Simply because of this, I I didn't have the relationship that he had with my grandma. He loved my grandma. I loved my grandma too, but he had a deeper relationship with her. He had more time to spend with her, right? I didn't show him compassion in that moment. I should have been willing to sacrifice Burger King of all things, right? To show compassion to my older brother. But I wasn't willing to sacrifice that. I got focused on myself, and that's what social media sometimes does to us. We see images of individuals that look so phenomenal, so great, that we put our eyes on things that we think we really want or desire, and it takes our eyes off of caring for others who need to be shown true compassion. You know, in this passage, when it says that he, Jesus, had compassion on them, The Greek word for compassion in this passage, it literally means to have one's inner being stirred. One's inner being stirred, like literally like your innards being stirred. Okay, it's a little weird to think about. But it literally, Jesus, when he had compassion on these people, he saw them. His innards were stirred. He he wanted to show them compassion and love and to heal them and to take care of them. Other ways that you could define the word uh, to feel deep sympathy or to be moved to action. It's a word that means something stronger than sympathy itself. And it's actually used in the the Gospels on 12 different occasions. And most of them are used when Jesus is speaking. So Jesus was deeply moved by these individuals suffering, confusion, despair, and spiritual lostness. And here's the question, are we moved by individuals' despair? Are we moved by individuals' confusions, their suffering, their spiritual lostness? Are we moved as a body, the church? Are we moved to show compassion in and around this community, in our world today? Jesus calls us to be compassionate, why? Because he is compassionate. And as followers in Jesus, we're called to become more like him and less like the world. So this is going to be our bottom line for this morning. Compassion is about genuinely caring for others, not liking a post. It's about, that's it. How simple is that? I don't know how many I've done it too. How many times we like a post when we see someone struggling or someone lost someone or someone's battling cancer, we just like it. We don't actually reach out to them. Let's actually reach out to them and be a people who serve them. And show genuine compassion to them. Compassion is about genuinely caring for others, not liking a post. And this leads us to our second lesson that Jesus shows us. Compassion acts instead of doing nothing. Compassion acts instead of doing nothing. I love this. Jesus, this is what happens in verse 15. As the evening approached, the disciples came to him. And they said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves food. The disciples are freaking out. Did you know that there was actually two evenings back then when it was in Jewish culture? You had 3 to 6 o'clock, and then you had 6 to 9, okay? And so back then, this is all occurring around 3 to 6 o'clock, okay? And so when this is occurring, it's, the sunset's occurring, okay? It's about to get dark, and the disciples are freaking out. I probably would have been too. These people are, are probably starving. They're hungry. They've traveled all day, And Jesus looks at them. What does he say? He says this. He says, they do not need to go anywhere. You give them something to eat. The disciples were probably dumbfounded. They're like, dude, what are you talking about? The nearest town is probably like 30 miles away. Who knows? It says that they're in a desolate place. They're in a place where there isn't much going on. And you would think, oh, that makes sense because Jesus was looking for a solitary place to rest and to grieve the loss of his cousin. And I love what Jesus does. He, he, he challenges the disciples. He says, don't, don't send them away. They need to be here. They need to be listening to what I'm saying. They need to see what's about to take place. And the disciples, they're like, all right, Jesus. You're Jesus. Here we go. You know, in my mind, it's like, I think to myself, the, like, the disciples were there. They're like in front of the Niagara Falls, right? And there's, they're like, where do we get water? It's right there. Jesus. Jesus is the one who can give them food. And so as we read on, we we read about the fact that there's five loaves and two fish. And that Jesus provides food for all of these people. Which is an absolute miracle in and of itself. But I truly believe in this moment, if we pay attention to the text, what Jesus is doing is he's trying to show the disciples that when you show compassion, it demands action. Every time you and I are called to show compassion to someone, to love them, to care for them, we're called to act. We're not called to sit on the sideline. We're called to act. I'm reminded of the story of Jesus healing a man with leprosy. In Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 41, it says this, A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. He said to Jesus, If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. He said, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Here's another instance where Jesus, what's he do? He shows compassion on the individual and he acts. This is, he's laying a framework for us. He's saying, yes, you should have that, that inner, your inner should be stirred, but you should also act on that. And that's why we read in James, James chapter 1, what does what uh, James say? He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks their face in a mirror. We need to do what the word says. See, the, the word of God, a lot of it is about action. It's about taking a step of faith and doing for the glory of God. But here's the thing. Us doing these things will never save us or rescue us. Only what Jesus has done saves us and rescues us. The reason that we do, the reason that we take action is because we are Holy Spirit powered to further the kingdom of God. We can do it only because Jesus has called us to do it. Only because of what he has done can we serve and show compassion to others. If it wasn't for Jesus showing us compassion, we would be unable to show genuine, true, authentic compassion. I love what Pastor Craig Groeschel says. He says this, to care and not to act is not to care at all. I'll say that again. To care and not to act is not to care at all. Let me ask you a question When was the last time that you cared for someone or showed compassion, but you didn't act? See, they need to go hand in hand. When we genuinely care for someone or show compassion, we act. I read a story about Colonel Sanders. I know I brought up Burger King. Let's talk about KFC while we're at it. Why not? I love some Kentucky fried chicken. We're super close to Kentucky. Anyway, um, Colonel Sanders. Dude is a, a pop culture icon. That I mean, the dude's suit, epic. Um, I will not be growing that mustache or wearing a suit like that, but props to him. He pulled it off. Anyway, Colonel Sanders. There's a story about him on an airplane and He's flying back um, to Kentucky or or somewhere like that, and basically what happens is there's a mom with her baby, and this baby is crying hysterically. And the the flight attendants and the mom, they're all trying to get this baby to calm down, right? Colonel Sanders looks at the mom, gets up out of his seat, looks at the mom, he says, do you mind if I hold your baby, rock your baby? And the mom's like, I'll try anything right now. Maybe Colonel Sanders can make this baby stop, I don't know. So what ends up happening is the baby stops crying, I guess Colonel Sanders has the magic touch, I don't know. Baby stops crying, right? And a passenger comes up to him after they get off the flight, and he's like, hey, I just want to let you know, every one of us is thankful for what you did. (laughs) Colonel Sanders looks at him, and he says this, I didn't do it for us, I did it for the baby. In that moment, Colonel Sanders wanted to show compassion on the baby. It wasn't about those around him. It was about showing compassion to the baby and obviously to the mother as well. But he acted. (laughs) He acted on the compassion he had for this child. We need to act on the compassion that we have for others. If we don't act, what good is it? What good is it? So when was the last time you acted to show compassion on someone? And I know this for a fact. There are so many individuals in this church that show compassion, and it is amazing. But sometimes we need to be rattled. We need to be challenged to show more compassion, to reflect Jesus Christ more so. Some of us, we think, oh, I'm showing comp-. That's great, but keep going. You never know the next time you show compassion to a person that you may not feel like showing compassion to, they might come to Christ. You never know. So compassion is about genuinely caring for others and not liking a post. This comes back to the whole idea of social media. But this leads us to our third lesson. Compassion brings about life change. Compassion brings about life change. And we see this in verse 17 to 21. And this is the whole climax of the story, right? Jesus is, he has the five loaves and the two fish that are found from a young boy, by the way, which is wild because guess what? They didn't even count them in that 5,000 total. If you've ever caught that, I think that's super fascinating. But anyway, he, he has the five loaves and the bread and he prays over them and he thanks, his, he thanks his father for it, right? And he's able to feed all these people, right? And there's so many baskets left over. What it, says, it says in verse 20, they all ate and were satisfied. That's key. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. That's insane. What a miracle, man. Like, it's amazing that Jesus turned water into wine, but then he's able to feed over 25,000 people and have 12 baskets full. I don't think these were small baskets either. They carried bigger baskets to be able to carry more with them. So These were massive baskets they were able to fill. But every single one of these individuals, 25,000, every single one of them had their need met that day because of Jesus. Why? Because he showed compassion on these people. He healed them from their sicknesses He met them at their weak points in life. He he fed them, he clothed them, and he restored them. All because he felt compassion for 25,000 individuals where he could have just said, you know what, I'm turning around, take this boat somewhere else so I can rest and grieve. But Jesus shows us that we need to sacrifice, we need to act because people's lives can be changed by compassion. I remember... In college, hearing about a story, I'm, I, I enjoy listening to Billy Graham messages. I'd probably talk about the do way too much. Anyway, there's a story about Edward Kimball. Some of you in this room may have heard this story, but it's a, it's a chain, all right? And so Edward Kimball, basically, he was a Sunday school teacher, okay? Normal person, Sunday school teacher. Back in the 1800s, he comes up to, to a young man in a shoe store, and he's one of his students, and he, he, he shares the gospel message with a man named D.L. Moody who later became a super well-known evangelist. He shared the gospel on two different continents. And the gospel just flourished, right? And so Dale Moody comes to faith, okay? Comes to faith in a shoe store. He's stocking shoes. Comes to faith in Jesus. All because of a Sunday school teacher. You know what happens after that? Guess what happens after that? Then a man named Wilbur Chapman comes to faith in Jesus. And Wilbur Chapman became an evangelist, a super well-known evangelist back in the day. And then Wilbur Chapman's sharing the gospel And a baseball player is in a place called Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. His name's Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday hears the gospel and responds, and he becomes an evangelist. And then Billy Sunday shares the gospel at at a a revival, and a man named Mordecai Ham comes to faith in Jesus. And Mordecai Ham becomes an evangelist. This is crazy stuff. This is only what God can do. Mordecai Ham comes to faith in Jesus. And then on one night back in the 40s, 30s, I forget exactly, but he, there's a man, tall, lengthy kid, 16, he comes into this tent, he didn't want to go, he wanted to be a professional baseball player, he comes to faith in Christ that night, and he reaches well over 2 million people with the gospel, and that man was Billy Graham. Isn't that crazy? That's what Jesus can do, that's what God can do, all because of one small act of Compassion. All because one Sunday school teacher thought to himself, I need to share the gospel with this kid because this kid needs to know the love of God. That could be you or I and the fact of sharing the gospel of someone. You know what, Edward Kimball doesn't even know who Billy Graham is, obviously because Edward Kimball's dead. But think about it. Years later, more people are reached with the gospel because of one Sunday school teacher. That's true, authentic compassion. Then you think about our passage for a moment. You think about how compassion brings about life change. Yes, but not just for the person who's shown compassion. But think about the individual showing compassion. Think about these disciples for a moment in the story. They're thinking to themselves, Jesus, you're crazy. We're going to feed all these people. Yes, they're not going anywhere. We're going to feed them. And they start to show compassion to the individuals by passing out the food. And their hearts are starting to change. Because they're starting to realize what Jesus is doing. And sometimes that's what happens to you and I when we show compassion to people. Our hearts change. We become more and more like Jesus. And that's what it's all about. So compassion, is, it's, it's not about us liking a post, commenting, tagging someone. No, it's about us getting our hands dirty, being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Genuinely caring for people showing love. And so I want to talk about a couple ways that we can do that here at Vertical Church. Let's get practical. Let's get real for a moment. Because sometimes we need to be challenged of how can we really do this. Let's talk about some ways. First is this. I want to, I want to, I want to ask this question. What breaks your heart? It's a simple question. We've probably all heard it to some extent. What breaks your heart? Is it a kid in foster care? Is it, is it seeing a kid who's been in and out of the system maybe it's the fact that you've been through a divorce and you know someone who's going through a divorce and they're struggling hard man I don't know what it is I don't know what breaks your heart only you can address that question maybe it breaks your heart that our public school systems are failing to some extent right I don't know what it is you name it maybe it's fighting against abortion I don't know I don't know what breaks your heart, but ask yourself, what breaks your heart? I want to give you three ways, three practical ways that you can, you can actually show compassion. Here's the first way. I want to show you this quick picture of some of the students this past week. We had the opportunity to uh, team with the Isaiah Project, the Isaiah um, 117 Project. Okay? And our students, they did a phenomenal job. We had um, a lady named Kathleen Elliott come in. And let me talk about a woman who has a heart broken for foster kids. This woman just shared her heart with our students. It was contagious, man. It was beautiful. She shared with our students. Our students got to learn more about the foster care system. They got to learn more about how they can help students. And one of the ways we were able to do that was by putting together these dream boxes. These dream boxes will be sent to uh, foster care students and also um, students who live within these foster care families. Uh, They'll be sent to them in Gibson County, Warwick County, and other counties (coughs) surrounding and in that moment what our students did they showed compassion in a simple little way they showed compassion and they acted by just drawing on some boxes decorating some boxes okay so i just want to show if our students can do it as adults we can do it too all right even if it's decorating a box it's going to go to a foster kid you know you know what that might make their day that might make their year who knows all right, so let me give you a couple examples. First is this, join a ministry team here at Vertical Church. Join a ministry team here at Vertical Church. We have so many amazing teams. We have the tech team, the production team, the worship team, vertical kids. Sunday doesn't have, like, we can't do that with, without volunteers, without people who want to show compassion and love to kids. It can't happen without that. Join vertical kids. Maybe it's vertical students. Maybe you want to work with some middle school and high school students. We live in a community, as we all know, that needs Jesus Christ. So maybe one of the ways that you can do that is joining one of these teams. If you have any questions about these teams, let me know. Let Pastor Rich know. Um, Maybe you know someone who leads one of these teams. Let them know. We want to reach this community with the gospel. We want to show this community compassion. So maybe that's you joining one of these teams. And then you get the Isaiah Project. I'm going to encourage you all to support them and to come alongside them. Listen. Their social media feed is on the right, correct? When I look at their social media feed, I don't see anything that deals with just focusing on themselves. What I see is them focusing on reaching others and showing compassion. Here's a question. What about our own personal social media feeds? Is it all about us or is it about reaching others for the gospel, about pointing others to Jesus? Anyway, if you look on the other side, you'll see a list of different needs that they have. These are all areas that any one of us pretty much in this room could fill. I mean, th- a couple of the things that they need done, they still need more dream boxes decorated. They need babysitters for foster parents. I mean, who knows? You, you, could, you could run a, a, a babysitting um, opportunity where you're able to babysit, you know, 20, 30 foster kids if you get enough group of people together. And those foster parents can go out and have a date night. That could save a marriage. Who knows? Right? They also need prayer partners. They need people to to help in their offices. There's opportunities. There's opportunities. And then I want to encourage you with this third one, Evansville Rescue Mission. Some of us, most of us, (coughs) excuse me, in this room have probably heard of it. But the Evansville Rescue Mission is is phenomenal. Every time I go in the Evansville Rescue Mission thrift store, I'm blown away. People who are willing to sacrifice their time to serve in a thrift store or to to serve coffee, all to reach people with the gospel, okay? Okay. It's beautiful. They have so many opportunities. Again, you'll see on their feed, what are they doing? They're showing compassion to people. It's not about Evansville Rescue Mission. It's about reaching lost individuals with the gospel of Jesus. Anyway, on the other side, you'll see opportunities, ways that we can serve as a church. Maybe it's serving a meal. Maybe it's serving at the thrift store, like I mentioned. Or maybe it's becoming an administrative uh, office assistant. This ministry is reaching homeless men and women all throughout Evansville. It's a great ministry. So I want to encourage you with those three opportunities. Challenge yourself. How can you show compassion to our community, to our world today? There's a couple. I'm just giving you a couple. All right, we're going to close our service with communion. And I truly believe communion is the greatest act of compassion. The fact that Jesus came that he died on the cross and that he rose again three days later victoriously. That is the greatest act of compassion ever shown in all of humanity. So what I want us to do is, I want us to to get up, to stand up real quick if you're able to. I want us to be able to get the elements here soon. Call up our uh, elders. But when we think about compassion and we think about the Lord's Supper, we think, we think about the fact that we are coming as believers to the Lord's Supper. We need to have the right heart. And here at Vertical Church, we believe in what's called an open table. It's simple as this. If you believe in Jesus Christ, we encourage you to take of the elements today. But two things, if you don't know who Jesus is, if you haven't started a relationship with him, we would encourage you to refrain And to sit there and just to ask yourself, do I truly know who Jesus is? Have I surrendered my life to him? Secondly is this, maybe you're a believer in this room and you have some stuff in your heart against another brother or sister in this room. I wanna encourage you with this. Maybe you need to refrain from taking the elements today. Or maybe, better yet, maybe you need to get get up out of your seat and go talk to your brother or sister and apologize. I don't know. So I wanna encourage you with that. But as we take, let's remember that this is Jesus's body that was hung on the cross for you and I, the greatest act of compassion that has ever been shown, that will ever be shown. The fact that he would die for you and I, That we, the fact that we are sinners broken in need of Jesus, in need of re- being redeemed, rescued, and given a second chance. Thank the Lord Jesus for his body that was given on the cross. And then we will take of the cup, and the cup resembles the blood that Jesus spilled on the cross And the beautiful thing is that his blood can wash away our sins. That you and I, we don't have to focus on our past, but that we can focus on the future because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. And because of Jesus's blood being spilled on the cross, you and I, we can show compassion and love to others. So this is the blood of Jesus that was spilled on the cross. So I wanna encourage you to exit to your right and then you're gonna return on your left. All right, you feel free to come up. You know, the prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, once said this. He said, if you would sum up the whole character of Christ in reference to ourselves, it might be gathered into this one sentence. He was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion to save you and I from eternal damnation. Praise the Lord come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you that you were moved with compassion, that you realized that you had to sacrifice your life, that you had to act in reality to see lives changed by the gospel, by the good news. God, I pray that as we leave this building today, God, that we remember that we are the church, that this building is exactly what that is. It's just a building. But we, as your people, we are the church. Father, help us to go out into our community to show compassion, whether that's by joining the vertical uh, ministry team here or the Isaiah Project or the Evansville Rescue Mission. I don't know, Lord. But I pray that you would just stir within individuals' hearts to go out in this community to show compassion and love. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.